Hi, I'm KS Garner, and you're listening to the Solo Nerdwood Podcast. Today, I'll be speaking with co-editors Chris Lawson and Aubrey Lynn Jepson here to promote their upcoming Kickstarter anthology, Scott Snyder Presents Tales from the Cloakroom. Welcome, Chris. Welcome, Aubrey. Thank you. Hey, how are you? Uh, I'm all right. I'm hanging in there. It's Monday. It's Monday, isn't it? It is Monday. It is Monday. (laughs) I feel that in my soul. (laughs) Is it Monday? Yeah, I lose. I have no idea what day it is anymore. But, um... Outside my introduction, who is Chris Lawson and Ari Lynn Jepson in their own words? Go for it, Aubrey. Okay. Um, I am a comics editor and writer. I also do a little bit of graphic design and I'm learning how to letter comics. Um, I love, my favorite thing to do is help people make their work better. Like, um, I love working with people and helping them inspire them to be better creators and improve their stories. Cause like, I've never had something come across my desk that was so bad that it couldn't be amazing. And so I just love working with people and helping them hone their craft. So. And uh, I'm Chris Lawson. I write under CK Lawson. Um, I just now started getting into comics writing the last uh, six months or so. Um, We had pitched submissions to anthologies and and things like that. Um, And I've been involved with this project since about uh, October of last year. Um, as far as my life, I am uh, non-binary, I'm queer, I'm disabled, and every second I get uh, a chance to, I will talk incessantly about my dogs, and that's pretty much me, so. Oh, there's mine outside. Okay, but, um, <laughs> what is Tales from the Cloakroom anthology about? So it's a 120-page multi-genre anthology. Um, basically, we were all brought together during we all signed up for Scott Snyder's uh, Substack, which is he offers these writing courses once a month uh, where he talks about a various concept, three-act structure, how to pitch, what things not to do when you get into the industry and things like that. And uh, early on, uh, Joji Schuster, the creator of the project, came up with the idea that, hey, let's put something together. And then he started bringing on board people that he thought um, could really help out, Ben O'Grady, the other co-editor. And then Aubrey and I came in a little bit after that. Uh, she was brought on first as a story consultant and uh, then moved on to m- more responsibilities. And I just kind of piggybacked off her because I was really intrigued with what she was doing and wanted to learn. So she's been an excellent teacher, like she says, always improving other people. Um, as far as the genres, we uh, connected everything with just saying, write a story that includes a jacket. What does a jacket make you think about? And that ranges greatly from, you know, sci-fi adventures uh, with uh, like a space core that you that wear jackets as uniforms to say my personal story that's just about um, how the scent on clothing can remind you both of bittersweet memories and tragedy and loss and and also joyous moments um with someone who you've lost and so it ranges greatly in genres with that just kind of connecting through line of jackets yeah i I read the preview that you sent me and the one with the scent of the jacket really got me um with the dog because i'm actually wearing i'm actually wearing my grandmother's sweater right now because it reminds me of her like it has her perfume on there so yeah, that, that one really got me. I had to like, I had to it was the same for me. Yeah. My dad, my dad passed in 2006, and I still have like some of his sweaters and trench coats. And like when I read that immediately, I was like, oh, that connected so well, like the same way with me. 
-hmm. yeah, I'm, I'm really proud of it. People either really love it or really hate it, but at least I got emotion out of it, so I'm good. Well, some people don't like to cry. So. So, I think that was more of it. They, they liked it, or they, they, they were upset that they were crying, not that they hated it. Yeah. So. Yeah, when I when I read it, I was expecting it to be the other way around, not what yeah. it ended up being. So I think that's what hit me more. It's I don't want to ruin it for anybody, but that's what hit me more is when you find out what actually happens in the end. Yeah, there's a um, nice twist to it that uh yeah, yeah, there's a nice twist to it. So it's not yeah. what people are expecting when they start. Oh, and another thing about it is we did really try to push for um bolstering um, underrepresented communities. So we have a, at least 50% of our creators are 2SLGBTQI+, uh, female, uh, or Black, Indigenous, people of color, uh, or uh, differently abled like, like myself. Mm -hmm. um, well, Chris, you touched on it a little bit, but can either of you, if you'd like, can you elaborate on your creative process on Tales from the Cloakroom as a whole, maybe? So yeah, um, as you mentioned, you all are like all what pretty much everyone are students from Scott Snyder's comics writing class, right? So, how involved were you two in the creative process? I guess as editors, or even maybe you gave some advice on lettering or how things were laid out on the page. But as a whole, can you I guess elaborate on the process? Yeah, I can I can jump in on that one. So I initially, like uh, Chris said, I came on as a story consultant, and I was just gonna be in the scripts, giving them feedback, and 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 creating a peer editing system. So we did have them edit each other as well. Um, I've been writing and editing for about ten years, and so and I've been trying to get into comics on and off for about that ten years, and I've taken some classes on comics editing. So I really there came a point where it just kind of was like, okay, let's just do this to the end stage, and being an editor in comics is different than like being a book editor where you just edit, you know, the prose. You do look at stuff like that. Like we, so we had a system where like uh, the me and Chris and, and um, the other editors participated too, where they were able on giving rounds of feedback to every single script. And then they also got peer feedback if the peers chose to participate in the feedback system. And then um, once the scripts were really good and ready to go to art, they went and found their own artists, um, colorists, letterers, they went and found their creative team. And then as they got those pages finished, they brought them back to us. And then we would, uh, Chris did a ton of the proofreading and we'd look at the art, we'd make sure that the bubbles were placed correctly. Like, I mean, we did have a few, um, and this happens even with people I've worked with who have been in comics a little bit longer, but you'll still have people who put bubbles in weird spots and it doesn't flow correctly. So making sure everything looks as professional as possible by the time we get done with everything <laughs> so we did yeah we had every stage that you would typically have on editing an indie comic like editing the script and then looking at the art and making sure the art is the way it needs to be and um i think they all turned out really well in the end because of all the work that went into making sure the stories made sense and that they they hit the right points and had the right um i'm missing the word in my brain but like hit the right beats that's the word i'm looking for mm -hmm. so yeah, I don't know, Chris, do you have anything to add to that? Um, I will say, you know, as far as, if, uh, are you asking about maybe a personal creative process, KS, or more oriented toward the anthology? Um, it can be either. I mean, just whatever, I guess, your creative process personally that you brought in or that you may have learned from the anthology. Okay, gotcha. Um, so with me, um, 
you know, one of the big things about my creative process is uh, I think it's important for every writer out there that we've discovered is not kind of used to this is to always have an editor look at everything you do. Um, I've been lucky enough in the, I didn't get really serious about comics writing until this class kind of was the catalyst. And I have pitched four things and Aubrey was my editor on all four and all four got in. And sometimes she was like tweak a little and another time she was like, maybe you should like reconsider take your theme but retweak it really nicely just saying maybe go back to, to the beginning and uh, I think that's important for everybody that is wanting to uh, get involved with comics is that you've got to be open to feedback thankfully we had a really great team we've become a really little family on discord and uh, they've all been really supportive and really open to our feedback for the most part and uh, I can't praise Aubrey enough she's an excellent editor and she has a really great eye because she's got graphic design experience and because she has lettering experience now, she has a really great eye for catching things as an overall picture. And uh, and so uh, my creative process just kind of is being tweaked as I learned from the class, is being tweaked as I learned from Aubrey, uh, both in terms of like, you know, everybody sees a story from their di from a different perspective. So I see it differently from being socialized as male or being queer or being disabled and Aubrey brings in an eye that I don't notice about being film presenting and being you know a woman a socialized woman and so those kinds of things I think are really important to the creative process as well to get another eye on projects especially one that might not be uh would be a perspective that you would not otherwise apply were there any challenges with world building for this anthology, um, or I guess that you may have had previously that you learned and brought into the pro this process, you know, maybe um, helping someone, as, I guess, as an editor or as a graphic designer, um, bringing your expertise with, hey, you know, uh, this won't work or this will work, and then as someone as a, as a writer, um, I guess taking that advice and applying it to the world that you're trying to build so like has it has there ever been any challenges with world building or no I can't think of any offhand I like I the other thing that you mentioned like just like saying hey this doesn't work or this does work like um I took a class from Kelly C. DeConnick years ago where she talked about how many words you could fit on a page and I know she attributed that to other people like Alan Moore Warren Ellis and uh I have it written down over here, so I'm looking Ed Brubaker. But like um I had to like give them a lot of coaching about like you can't put this many words in a panel because it won't fit. Um, because you can have a lot of experience writing and not realize like that translates very differently to a comic. Um, but I'm trying to think like we did I think less so world building, but more strengthening voices, because there were times where we were like, hey, you've got to edit this up so that the strong the voice of your comic is stronger rather than, because um, they were all pretty good about establishing their worlds. It, it's only six pages, so they didn't have a ton of runway for that. Um, we do have some that have some really good world building, um, especially I think our sci-fi stories have some really good world building for how little runway they had. Um, but yeah, that was the main thing is making sure, because we have we have brand new people to comics and we have some people who have, who have already published their own Kickstarters, so they kind of already knew the lingo. But yeah, giving them that, hey and then and formatting scripts was another thing because you know there's no general format for a comic script well there's general formatting but there's not one format um and so we had to kind of be like okay use some headers here 
Uh, make sure you use these kinds of page directions. That'll help make sure that it's clear for your artist. Um, but yeah, those were the main main hurdles we had to jump over as we were working. And I would say as as uh, as far as world building goes, like Aubrey said, since we were limited to six pages, some people were trying to use it as a jumping off point to other story, like other, like I'm going to make my own comic self-published later, and this could be a good jumping point. We were like, nah, this needs to be self-contained. It's fine if it leads into something like with Centiview, I've now created three other shorts that I uh, want to all put together eventually as its own comic, but these had to be standalone stories. We had one, uh, kind of like Aubrey said, some were very plot driven, and so we had to tweak them to lean into um, voice and characterization and emotion more than here's a beautiful world that I've created, and they were indeed beautiful, but don't make your plot so big. You have to make this self-contained. There is no to be continued going on here. You can do that on your own later. This has to be able to stand on its own. And uh, so we worked with a few creators as far as that goes with world building, just to make sure that this felt like a complete story. Um, and it had elements where it might inspire you to do uh, future stories along in that universe. Yeah, I remember, like I said, I remember uh, reading what you gave me and it being limited to six pages, I think is a great way to learn how to do something when you're restricted on how to do something because it's like oh these are all beautiful stories and i think from like when you're trying to learn something new you kind of jump in like head first and you want to do as much as you can while you're there but you can't really do that as you explained chris like it's it has to be just this short and that's it it can go off to be something else you know, later, but it can't, I guess it can't be this story. It has to be something else. But as I said, I think when you're restricting, you have these really tight boundaries when you're learning something actually helps you more than if you had like free reign, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I quote to a lot of clients I work with and any, I think I've said it to Chris and I've said it to people on this project that like Neil Gaiman compares uh, short stories to like, it's like close-up magic. And you have to like, you have tighter, like you said, tighter constraints. And so you have to make it work rather than being on like a big stage with tigers or whatever, you know, like it, it's, it's definitely, uh, it's, it's building those muscles in a way that you can't with longer form stories. Um, and I think it's really good for people starting out to start building those muscles. Like I've, I've got probably, you know, 20 or 30 short scripts that didn't make it into stuff that are just sitting in my Google bio, bio folder, but it's all practice and it all helped me get better as a comics creator. So, yeah. So I guess this is just pretty much like um, a follow-up to all everything we just talked about. Um, what advice would you offer to other creators? It can be editing, it can be in design, it can be in writing, whatever it is creatively that you wish someone would have told you when you first started. So it doesn't have to be this anthology. It can be the anthology or it can be something else, but you wish somebody would have told you when you first started out. You want me to take the yeah, lead Yeah, go for there? it. I'm thinking. Okay. <laughs> uh, one, like I said earlier, have an editor look at everything you do. It shouldn't be like a friend. It shouldn't be a, like a necessarily a writing peer that you're really close to. You need something objective. So get an editor to look at everything. I would say another thing, uh, if you're, starting out or even if you self-published a few things um is 
don't clap back at feedback. Like it's, it's there to help you. Um, you don't have to like do everything that's recommended, but take that other voice into consideration and uh, don't think that you're a perfect writer and you don't need any advice at all. I will say for me personally, and there's no way for me to do this at 40 blah, blah years old is um, I think like Aubrey is doing and like uh, two of our creators, Alyssa Meyer and Bill McRae, Bill McRae did is uh, they understand other parts of the process. So uh, they're, they do their own art, they do their own coloring. Um, uh, Bam does his own lettering. Um, Aubrey, you know, has her class on lettering and now really helps in that regard. And of course she has the graphic design feed, uh, uh, experience. So I wish that I would have gotten in on learning those elements early because it just gives you a totally different eye when it comes to putting everything together that I wish I had a more developed sense of. Yeah, I think for me, uh, one thing, like our process on this was to try to get everybody in that we could. And we've already discussed like as a as an editorial team as a whole, like we'd probably change the submission process to have them pitch because that's more, like everybody here just thought, oh, I sent a script and I'm in. And like, that's, we, we did get most everyone in. There were a few that we were, we worked with many hours to try to get in that just didn't quite make the cut. But like they were still interesting stories, and I hope that they still publish them. But pitching is such a vital part of comics, like across the board, from indie comics to those short anthology pitches to like a full pitch doc that you're gonna share with like Image or Marvel or DC or anybody. Um, so having we've we've talked a lot about pitching now with our our group. We've had a couple of meetings where we went over it, but making sure your pitch doc is proofread <laughs> and. Uh, you know, tells the story fully. Cause like our, our feeling as writers is always to be like, oh, leave up mystery. Not if you're pitching to an editor, make sure you have the whole story so that they know exactly where you're going with things. And then I think from an editorial standpoint, managing my time a little bit better. <laughs> I am so bad at like being like, let me do everything. I'll do everything. It's fine. Um, you gotta be willing to share with your team and uh, let them help you out. And then also just saying, hey, this is something we we can't get to or we can't do this time, but we'll think about it next time. And I was going to say, actually, I'm taking the editing class that Shelly Bond's teaching right now. And they said, uh, she said exactly what Chris said, that like, it's important to understand as an editor, if you're planning to edit comics, figure out the different parts of the process, like figure out the basics of coloring, the basics of lettering, the basics of art, um, and I think that writers can benefit from that too, because then you'll know, um, like one of the, I used to listen to Sean Crystal's podcast and he talked about how don't write a page where you say there are a thousand dolphins swimming towards the shoreline. Cause how many, cause like what artist has time to draw a thousand dolphins. And that's just not something you would know unless you've taken the time to learn about the other parts of the comic process and what your collaborators go through. So I think those were some of the big lessons that I learned this time through. And to piggyback off of that with two things, one with us trying to get everyone into the, the anthology that wanted in, we gave them a lot of more attention than they should expect from, you know, other editors. I think Aubrey has said before, she usually gives two rounds of editorial feedback. Um, and we sometimes would do, you know, five or six rounds because we wanted it to be as good as possible. And, also there the stories that are in the collection are very very good like we were really impressed with the quality of the work um the caliber of the writing is 
uh, to me on par with a lot of indie comics I've read. And you can definitely see, I can definitely see several of these creators becoming uh, very popular in the next few years uh, with their writing. Um, mm-hmm. There was something else I was going to say, and now it slipped my mind. Maybe it'll come to me later. No, that's fine. I, I do it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, throughout this whole process, did either of you or do you even now get overwhelmed? Like, does it ever become <laughs> does it ever become too much? Like, and how do you typically manage your mental well being when it does happen? Ah. <laughs> <laughs> just a deep sigh. Um, you go ahead, Aubrey. Yeah. Uh, it is. So I think because comics editing is so different than any other kind of like uh, editing in in uh, publishing it is easy to become overwhelmed because you have so much to do and like you're working with 20 different creators and like everybody's sending you files you have to make sure there's a system so that you can access all those files and that um like i had to tell the creators hey will you guys make sure that the most up-to-date versions of your comics are in your folders like don't have extra files in there because as i'm compiling i don't want to have to sift through uh like old files and stuff, because that's gonna that's gonna give me a chance to make an error. Um, I might put the wrong page in. Uh, like we we have those rough proofs and those those things that we're sending out to media right now, and like we don't want that to end up with a page that shouldn't be in there. Um, and and we they're really good about this. Like we've said to them a few times, like hey, remember anything that happens that we have to deal with, we have to deal with it times twenty because there's twenty different stories in the in the book. And they've been really good to like be like, oh yeah, okay, cool. We'll make your job as easy as possible. Um, but it still can be overwhelming. And like just making sure, even as I'm compiling files for like rough proofs and stuff, like it's a lot to pile 20 stories into a book um, and make sure everybody's in the right order and everything's where it should be. And so, and there's definitely times when we were burnt out, like when we went back and forth with the scripts, um, like Chris said, I do two rounds of editing with clients for on just on scripts. Um, and so going back five or six times is probably the wrong move. Cause by the time we were done with that, that we were pretty burnt out. Um, I do think that the, the project got better for it. Cause like everything was so polished by the time it went to, to art, the art stage. Um, but you just have to, I think the things I'm learning and I've been learning this across my life is, um, it doesn't have to be perfect. It just has to be pretty good. And, um, you've got to take breaks. And if you don't take breaks, your body will make you take breaks. You'll get sick mm-hmm. or you'll just want to sleep for, you know, two days. <laughs> Those I mean, things. Aubrey and I are both under the weather right now because yeah. we're starting to get burnt out round two. But to quantify things a little bit and also, KS, to build on your last question, the thing I forgot about the creative process, I at least you just taken classes. Scott Snyder's class has been really good from working from the foundations to uh, in like uh, inside the industry, little tidbits. Um, like I said, uh, teaching you what not to do when you're trying to start out. He had some really comical stories along those lines. Uh, a, a class about pitching, a class about um, uh, uh, what am I trying to think of? Uh, okay, well, you get my point. See, I'm already burnt out. I can hardly put my uh, brain cells together right now. So I, I would say another part of the creative process, don't think, you know, like take these classes, especially from the professionals, and it helps a lot. But anyway, to get to quantify Aubrey a little bit there, uh, yeah, the two of us realized we had put in 120 hours just on script review, and that is not normal. And But we were just trying to make it so good. 
And um, I don't think even a lot of comics writers, unless they're maybe self-published, they don't understand the depth of the process. Like Aubrey said, it's times 20 for us. But in addition to that, not only are you reviewing scripts, not only are you checking the art and checking every single story's bleed uh, area and copy safe area for the printers, uh, trying to decide what printer to go with, um, analyzing you know various paper qualities, things like that, having to be your own promoter um, because we are the ones that for the next month have to promote this hardcore to try to get um, published, which you know, I, I personally am a little worried about just from the perspective of since we have so many new ones, new writers, we don't have uh, writers with huge followings that can like kind of bounce off each other. So we're going to be putting in a lot of work the next month for it. Um, so you're really like a one-stop shop for everything. And especially with me being disabled, I've come to terms with that over the last 20 years that I got about three hours max in a day before my body is done. And I can't even hardly think after that point. Um, so it is very important to balance time, but Aubrey and I, I will admit, maybe struggle a little bit there, but that's nice about having a four person editorial team is, you know, one of them is going to take care of the, oh, everything's printed and now we have to ship everything out. That's up to one of you because Aubrey and I, we, we've done our part by then. And then in the next month, we also have uh, Ben O'Grady taking responsibility for all of the, the marketing and social media. He is going to head that up. And with us just maybe retweeting and quote tweeting and things like that, but putting it in somebody else's hands, you know, at different stages really helps you out. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think having a good team is the main thing and having a team that's willing to take the baton if you need them to is really good. And that's yeah. been really nice for us is to be able to be like, here, you take it for a few days. <laughs> well, my last question for you both is what is your idea of success? I ask that because as creators, if we're not getting regular paychecks from a full-time job or making consistent revenue from our art, we're considered failures or we'll consider ourselves failures. Many of us will put our dreams and projects on a back burner or give them up altogether because this career path can be highly intimidating and competitive. So what is your idea of quote unquote success? So for you want me to take it, Aubrey? Go for it. Okay. Well, you think um, for me, uh, you know, I keep saying this a lot, but with my disability, I've had 20 years to get used to that. So, you know, we have someone in our little writers community and he, he, he messaged me every so often. He's like, do you not get nervous and anxious that, that you won't make it and you won't succeed? And I'm like, what, what do you mean you won't make it? You won't succeed. What do you consider success? Um, and he was like, I've got to write for Marvel or DC. And I'm like, but why, why do you feel that way? Why do you feel like that means you're successful? And so for me, um, I've learned over time that now I'm pursuing writing because I've wanted to for 20 years, but for a long time, I got scared to do anything because I just felt like I couldn't push my body to handle it because I am having to support myself with a part-time job just to make ends meet. And so I was, and I was lucky to find a good one, just that. So for decades, I've been like two decades now, I've been like, well, I can't take on more and then finally, you know, when I hit that midlife crisis, I was like, no, no, the, the writing is my passion. That's the way that I want to leave a mark somehow. Even if it's just moving people, I've succeeded. So my goal is I don't, I mean, while I would love to write certain titles at Marvel or DC, that is not success to me. Um, I would love to have something through Boomer Image, but that doesn't mean that's not the only qualifier for success. For me, it's just, I have a story in my head 
I want to get it on the paper. I want to collaborate with people that make it as beautiful as possible. I'm going to put it out into the world and have some people say that was damn good. And that's all that to me is success. Yeah. I think, um, one thing I've thought about a lot lately is like the, the opportunities I have right now, I would have dreamed of two or three years ago. Like I, um, I have a dear friend who I check in with daily. Um, she's a PhD. She has her own business. And like, we keep comparing notes and we're, we're always stressed out. We're always overwhelmed, but like, we keep looking at our paper, like what we have to do on our to-do list. We're like, if I had thought about this two years ago, I would have thought this was a dream, even though I'm stressed out, like, like doing this, like doing a podcast and, and we have a book that's coming out. Like, those are things that I probably couldn't have fathomed two years ago, even. And so to me, that's success. Um, would I love to eventually edit for any big, big company? That'd be amazing. Like I I've learned from a lot of editors who have done that, uh, like Andy Schmidt and Shelly Bond, I've taken classes from them. They'd be a great opportunity, but like, even if I just, even if my career only is in, in indie comics and working directly with creators, producing their own work, that'd be amazing. Like I love working with passionate people who are excited um, and it's so easy to get burnt out and jaded, I think, as a creator. And so I just want to keep working with people who love what they're doing and and appreciate my input. I think that that's the main thing. So, yeah, it's pretty much the same for me. It's just to work with as many people who are passionate about what they do, like as many of them as I possibly can. And this is probably the most stressed out I've ever been. And I mean, I've worked a full-time job and I've done this when I was working a full-time job. And I mean, it wasn't as bad then, but I couldn't have fathomed how much work I'm doing now, two, three years ago when I first started it. And I wouldn't really have it any other way. I kind of feel like, I mean, it was nice to have um, the schedule. Um, you know, you clock in at eight, you leave at five and that's what you do five, 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 five times a week. But now I like that I get to pick my own schedule and I like that I get to choose who I communicate with instead of just with clients that I had to speak with, even though I didn't want to, you know, so I'm rambling, but yeah, that's just the piggyback off of you. So. No, that's totally, that's, I feel exactly the same way. Like, uh, dig, I was funny before the pandemic, I had a friend who was like, well, you work from home, so you don't really work. And like, then during the pandemic, everybody, so many people ended up working from home and having to dictate more of their schedule. And like, there's a lot of weight with that, that mm -hmm. people don't understand that when you're dictating your own schedule, you have to make sure you wake up in the morning and that you're attentive to the tasks you need to do. You have to be so much more self-directed. And it's a lot. <laughs> yeah, it is a lot. I kind especially, of being told what to do, but yeah. then, at the same time. <laughs> especially when you're passionate about something because you kind of don't want to stop. You 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 like I want to push and then I'm like, uh oh, I've gone too far and I gotta back off. And so it's hard, especially finding that balance when you uh when you're so passionate about things. And it is weird. I've texted Aubrey about that before. It's like this is such a weird feeling of I'm so exhausted and sometimes upset and crying and then but at the same time I'm really happy because we're we're producing something that that we love so much and it's such and I'm sure you can relate Cass it's such a weird feeling of oh my god but then also oh my god that's great 
So it's really weird. Yeah, I actually had that feeling maybe a couple of hours ago. I was like, it's so much and I'm so tired. And I know that you mentioned that both of you were sick. I just got off like a cold. Like I feel like my body forced me to yep. take a rest for two days. Exactly. <laughs> no, I, was I, thinking had, of taking, yeah. I was thinking of taking a break. And but then I got hit up for another interview um, for more interviews this week. And I was like, OK, I'll take them. And then I got sick and like I just could not physically I just could not get out of the bed I, my body forced me to take those two days two three days off and like I said earlier I was like you know kind of doubting myself in a way like what am I doing you know should I take a longer break or should I try to do something else or you know what am I doing but at the same time it's like I can't imagine going back and working with someone else and someone else telling me what to do and yeah. you know tell me who I can't and can't talk to telling me you know when I can have lunch you know stuff like that or when I can spend time with my dogs or whatever it may be so yeah it's kind of it, it's a weird feeling but at the same time I wouldn't change it for anything in the world yeah I mean that's exactly where I was on on Saturday I told the rest of the editorial team hey I'm, I'm gonna take Monday off and and then I had a fever on Sunday. <laughs> and so I still currently have a fever, but like I, and, and Chris was like, I can go do the show. It's fine. And I'm like, no, I'm going to rally for the hour or so that we do this. Cause like you, this is the fun part. The fun part is talking to people about this thing we've been working on for the last year. And so, yeah, same, same thing here. Like I wouldn't trade it. <laughs> well, I appreciate you both coming. I appreciate it. Thank you. Yes, can I ask you a question about uh, maybe um, what made you fall in love with, with podcasting and why you, you feel passionate about it? Well, okay, I started in August of 2019 and it, it, it initially started as me uh, like um, chronicling or I don't know what the word would be, just pretty much uh, cataloging in a way is local events that happen here I'm in, in Baltimore Maryland Baltimore City um and I felt like there was a lot of things that were happening that a lot of people weren't talking about in a way kind of just like putting a spotlight on the local nerdy things that go on around town um like there we had a a, a sci-fi fantasy convention that we've had maybe like the past 30 years and a lot of people in like the nerd geeky community had no idea this thing was going on every single year so that's one of the things that I kind of covered. Um, and then when I worked in the office, I listened to podcasts since I can't really listen to music. And I'm like, oh, this would be really cool to just kind of like, it sounds weird, but talk to myself about it. Because that's how I felt in the beginning. It was pretty much just talking to myself about like movies that I've watched. And I like the indie movies. I feel like a lot of people weren't talking about those. Um, a lot of like anime shows or just TV shows in general that I feel like either a lot of people weren't focusing on um that wasn't like the major things because I felt like I how many more Marvel or DC things can we all talk about it doesn't doesn't work with me um and then a guy hit me up about helping to promote his Kickstarter he um is also a indie comics guy his name is uh Calvin Chambers and I was like sure and I was thinking like how am I going to do this I didn't know how to do an interview with somebody and he kind of just like forced me into it. And that's just something I kind of fell in love with ever since. Because my questions that I ask everyone comes from the perspective of another creator. You know, I went to school for graphic design. My dog is a barking. I don't know if you can hear him. <laughs> um, 
I went to school for graphic design. I'm also like a self-published urban fantasy writer. I've written two books. Um, yeah, just as another creative trying to talk to other creators, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you're a very good interviewer, by the way. Yeah. You have oh, excellent, you. excellent questions. Yeah, like the mental health stuff is like, like I said, I'm currently in that space of like doubting myself and being overwhelmed a lot. And I'm just trying to get advice from other creators as well. Like, how do you all do with it? Because I'm struggling with it as well. Well, the other thing that when you said that right now, I thought of like uh, imposter syndrome. And I think imposter syndrome is is worse for people with marginalized identities because like we're never we're never sure we're going to enter a space like like even i've so i cosplay and i've had my husband i cosplay with my husband and i've had guys walk up to me and be like do you really read comics and i'm like of course i do like i spent 60 hours on this costume of course i do and so um i don't know the main thing i try to do is when i have that imposter syndrome is like talk to people around me who who i know think i'm good (laughs) And then let them cheer me on a little bit, because that'll help you kind of, at least for me, it helps short circuit the brain, the part of my brain that's like, I'm just bad at this. Why would anybody pay me to continue to do this? Um, Because it's just that weird voice in your head that just constantly comes back anytime you have a a weak moment, but we're already doing it. And so I think that that's comics is action. And so is, is being a comic creator. It's acting on what you're wanting to do. Yeah, and another part, another reason why I do this is I try to um, be encouraging to a lot of the indie creators I talk to because a lot of them have really like extremely small, non-existent followings, and I'm probably sometimes I'm like one of the, I'm the first person they've ever really spoken to about their work, so I try to make this as smooth as possible and like I say encouraging and a bit of a safe space for them yeah. that they can you know rant ramble you know people are so afraid about rambling I'm like no this is your time to speak please ramble don't ever feel like I'm gonna cut you off or I try not to intercept too much into the interview like I am now and I I apologize for that I like um, it great I like it (laughs) yeah yeah I just try to make this time this little bit time for them to speak because I feel like a lot of us don't feel comfortable or don't feel safe with speaking in our minds about what it is that we're working on. So I try to make this however long it may be, maybe 15, 20 minutes, it can be an hour and a half, but this is your time to speak. That's how I try to make it for everyone. And and about that uh, imposter syndrome Aubrey was talking about, that's what's been great about coming out of uh, Scott Snyder's class is this community that developed out of the anthology is we've had people posting there, you know, I feel like right now that this is my, my art is crap or my writing is crap. And we just kind of really lift each other up and be like, no, 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 you're good. Even with you just now, KS, with you um, speaking highly of the sin of you, there's been many times where I've reached out to Aubrey and been like, my story's crap. And it was after like a dozen people told me it was good, but I was like, it's crap. I need to redo it. It's not good. Um, I get one person saying, oh, it's okay. And suddenly that means it's just a disaster and I'm a horrible writer. And she's like, dude, calm down. And so it was very validating for you to be like, hey, I really like that story. So it's even the little nuggets of when you're getting burnt out, you know, if you can, if you can get that person, that objective person to be like, dude, that was good. Like just now with you being such a good interviewer, I'm like, I need to make sure that KS knows that. And, uh, and so I think that validation is really important. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Um, and 
I guess just one more thing, just to piggyback off of what you just said. Um, I remember reading someone saying about how um, we think our work, our work is crap because we did it. Like we know that we did it. Whereas when we look at someone else's work, we're like, oh, that's good. It's because someone else did it and it wasn't us. So I guess you kind of have to look at it, look at your work that way. Look at it as like someone else wrote it and not you, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally. It, yeah. it definitely does. Um, was there anything else that either of you wanted to touch on about Tales from the Cloakroom as a whole that I may have missed? Like, do you know anything that's going to happen with the Kickstarter when it does launch? Like, do you know the rewards and like the other incentives that people are going to get? Yeah. Um, so we'll have kind of the basic stuff you expect from a comics Kickstarter. We'll have like a digital tier. Uh, we're going to have a cover and a variant cover. Um, so we'll have some tiers for that. And I think we may work that in also as an add-on. Um, uh, we have a cover by Skylar Patch Patridge and then uh, Jesse Lonergan. And so they're both incredibly talented artists um, that, and, and I just, I love the art on this book. It's just gorgeous. The stories, the covers, everything, the prints. So we'll have prints of those two covers. Plus we have a print by Sebastian Perez and then also um, bookmarks a bookmark and then a set of stickers that were designed by uh rob, rob jones. jones yeah my brain just went blank for a second um rob jones did uh some of the he did like the logo design and stuff for us as well and so he i initially i was going to design the stickers for us and then he came back with these three images of jackets that like fit the genres of the book and it was just like oh no i don't have to design anything that can be we can just use what rob made because it's uh -huh. just so good so so we'll, uh, we'll be launching on June 14th um, and going through July 16th. Um, in addition to the digital and physical tiers, we'll have an early bird digital and physical if you get it within like the first uh, two to three days. Um, we're trying to decide between 48 hours and 72 hours at the moment. Um, we And then uh, a tier with the stickers and the bookmark, a tier with the three prints to build off of what Aubrey said about the three prints. The, and the covers uh, with Skylar Patridge. She's best known for Resonant and Trial of the Amazons. And she also has the upcoming Artemis uh, from DC. Um, Jesse Lonigan is, and Owen oh, Skylar is glad nominated. Um, uh, Jesse Lonergan is best known for Hedra and is Eisner nominated, very talented. And Sebastian Paris is known for We Ride Titans. They're all just so, so good. We were so lucky to, to persuade them to help us out. Um, uh, so we have those and we'll have a, a retailer tier two to try to persuade, um, or to try to get some, some local comic shops on boards. And that's another thing to go back to something we talked about a while ago is another thing we have to deal with is figuring out shipping for like a bajillion countries, um, mm -hmm. to try to make a budget that's going to work and, a a price point per book. And there are all these things that you don't even think about that you have to include in that price point. And so just again, to get to how much work goes into uh, to the self-publishing, but those are reward tiers. Um, I think that's all of them, isn't it, Aubrey? I think so, yeah. And um, I guess the class with uh, Scott Snyder, um, I did look at the website a little bit, but I guess like, how did you all like get involved or do you know how other people can get involved in the class? Like, do you know if he's still accepting people? Like, how does that work? Absolutely. Uh, so yeah, you can um, you could probably just Google Scott Snyder uh, Substack and you can join anytime. I think it's like seven bucks a month. 
and you'll get access to the backlog. So you can now sign up and get almost a year's worth of classes. Um, there are various tiers, like I do the annual tier, because if you do the annual tier, um, he also does this quarterly hangout where it's a little bit more intimate, where you can just pop in and ask him questions and get FaceTime with him. Um, otherwise, the classes, they are live. Uh, you can watch them after uh, later on your own if you want, but they are live. So people are chatting and submitting questions to the assistant editor who's monitoring the chat, uh, Tyler Janis, and uh, doing that part of it. And then he'll bring in guest lectures like Chip Zdarsky, um, James Tiny in the fourth, his editor, Will Dennis, uh, on the pitch lecture. And so um, you'll get access to all of that. And then there's also what they call a founder's tier, um, where you can get uh, like uh, really a lot of attention from Scott. You get to like go to a dinner at the comic conventions. I think the SDCC comic convention, if I'm not mistaken, you get to have a dinner with him and uh, different things like that. Um, so there are various tiers you can buy into. So even if you just wanted to pay the seven bucks just to get to watch all the classes, uh, you can come on board at any time and they're all there for you. And I highly suggest it. It's been really beneficial. Mm -hmm. And then there's also a Discord community for the class, which is how we all hooked up with each other is everybody was chatting in the Discord and that's how we all met. And then of course, to not overwhelm that room, we set up our own little separate Discord for the, the anthology community. Yeah, it kind of sounds like almost like a Patreon, but you get the lectures and stuff with it too, which sounds really cool. Yeah, very similar format. Very mm -hmm. similar. All right. Well, again, I want to thank uh, co-editors Chris Lawson and Aubrey Lynn Jepson here to promote their upcoming Kickstarter anthology. Scott Snyder presents Tales from the Cloakroom. I highly recommend our listeners to give the Kickstarter a look, share, and, and buy if they can. All of... Uh, Chris's, Aubrey's, and the pretty much the collective socials and website will be listed in this episode's details for those who are interested. Again, I'm K.S. Garner, and you have been listening to the Solo Nervous Podcast. Thank you. Thank you.